Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off. We're in the book of Genesis and we're um, at chapter 20. So let's begin with verse 1. If you want to read along with me, grab your Bible. Here we go. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. So forgive me if I pronounce any, any of these incorrectly, as always. Um, but just so you have an idea of what's happening, this is Abraham, the biblical patriarch, um, on the move um, and finding a new place for himself. And sometimes it's by faith and sometimes it seems like it's with a lot of doubt. Let's see what happens. Now, Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. So by modern standards, obviously that would seem super cowardly, not chivalrous, simpish to have your wife be taken into custody because she's pretending to be your sister for your safety. So uh, once again, it highlights the patriarchal nature of the Bible in general, but absolutely of the Old Testament. And um, in the new, everything pretty much, except for what Jesus preaches, is very much patriarchal and misogynistic, slanted toward the best possible light being provided for men, basically. But God came, and less thought for women, almost none. God came, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, indeed, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you've taken, for she is a man's wife. So it's a couple of things there. Um, one, we're in Genesis, and as far as I can tell, the Ten Commandments haven't been given yet. So there's no uh, there's no actual codified sin at all, whether it's murder or uh, adultery or lying or any of that. None of that's been declared yet. So it'd be like uh, saying someone giving someone a speeding ticket when there's no uh, for going 85 and a 60 and yet there's no sign at all of what the speed limit is. It doesn't really make sense, but it gives you an idea that some of the ideas of um, what's considered morally right and wrong go way beyond and precede the Ten Commandments and the Bible. I think Hammurabi's code is an example of that. There are many throughout different cultures uh, in the world over time that have done pretty much the same commandments, or at least the main ones, the murder and the, the adultery and all of that. Um, so anyway, it's interesting that here, God, it's saying it's God, and that God in this case is being translated as Elohim, not El, not Yah, not Jehovah, none of those names which we've seen God and Lord be translated as before. Um, but in this instance, so he's condemning not Abraham for lying, and putting his wife's neck on the line and letting God knows what happens. Uh, God only knows what happens to her happen. But instead, the person who's innocently been taken in by the lie ends up getting the, the, the ire, the punishment of the entity identified as God in this instance. So it seems a little unfair. Uh, but Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous men nation also? So it seems God is interacting with people uh, directly still at this point uh, in the Bible. And again, the Ten Commandments haven't been given yet. There's really no children of Israel yet. And Christianity hasn't become a thing yet, you know, um, it, for sure. I mean, it's 
I wouldn't look at the Lord in this instance is being translated as, uh, from Adonai. So it lets you know the name Lord, the word Lord and God uh, translates to many different things, not just one, like you might think. Um, but also you see here someone who's not Christian, not Jewish, not any of those things still has a direct contact, contact relationship with uh, God and even talking directly. And he's asking a, a, a sensible question. It's like, what sense does it make to judge someone who was duped? It doesn't make sense to pass the judgment on someone who's been righteous and just got lied to and fooled um, by someone else and then to let that other person go by scot-free. Uh, did he not say to me, she's my sister, and she even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I've done this. So God is sort of condemned, or at least put him on the spot to let him know you messed up. And immediately he seems to be negotiating or at least arguing his case with God directly and pointing out, look, they're the ones who lied. She lied and said he was his her brother, and he lied and said she was his sister. So how are their lies his fault? And he's saying in the integrity of his heart, meaning he didn't know. He was innocent and that they fooled him. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So it seems even though she's been taken into custody, they haven't uh, molested her. Uh, so I guess that's sort of a relief that at least she's not suffering those kind of indignities uh, at the hands of them and her husband, since it's her husband who put her in the situation. Um, and it seems now it's God communicating through a dream directly with him and letting him know where he messed up. And then also that he's been given some slack in the fact in uh, because he was fooled and that he didn't just maliciously go out uh, taking people's uh, other people's people. Instead, he was fooled into doing it. And here it seems God has stopped him, prevented him from, um, uh, you know, making any sexual contact with her, as seems to be what it's implying. Saying, now therefore, restore the man's wife, for he's a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So, this really doesn't seem doesn't sound like a fair and just uh, judgment and equal treatment when the person who told the people who told the lies get the protection. Sort of like the last sort of like all of the American administrations, it seems. Um, but definitely the last one tells a bunch of lies, seems breaks a bunch of laws, says he's about law and order. But that's all just projection. It seems that's all that side. That's all that a lot of politics, it seems, especially from the so-called religious right does. They project the bad stuff onto their enemies while they do it and uh, take credit for all the good stuff, even though they vote against it, fight against it and rally against it. And somehow it's still 50-50. People still seem torn and don't seem to know who they want to lean toward. It's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. But it goes. It seems that it's not new. As you see here, in this situation with uh, Abimelech, he's facing some severe judgments because he was lied to. And yet, it's saying God here isn't going off on Abraham or his wife for the lie. Instead, he's going off on the person who they fooled. 
um, but giving him a chance to redeem himself or at least prevent himself from falling into complete destruction. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were very much afraid. So uh, he shared his dream that he had, uh, letting him know where he's messed up with his whole crew. And apparently it was convincing enough that they all uh, believed it. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? Have How have I offended you that you brought on, he's saying him and on his kingdom, a great sin? You've done deeds to him that ought not to be done. So Abimelech is directly calling out Abraham for the lies, for um, putting his own uh, spiritual pathway in jeopardy by lying to him and making him an adulterer, even though he didn't even know. And so he's calling Abraham out and asking him, what do you have in mind in doing that? Why? And Abimelech said, Abraham, what did you have in view that you've done this thing? So he's wondering why, why would you do that? What is it I've done to you to make you come and lie to me? And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will kill, he's saying him, on account of his wife. So just like I was saying just now, with the way the right, the Republican so-called religious right, they are religious, they're not Christian, but they are religious about their beliefs, religiously hating the other and religiously pushing anti-Christian nonsense and then claiming to be Christians. But you see the same thing happening back there. He's projecting his own deceitfulness onto them. He's the one who lied. They didn't. And yet he's telling them, oh, I just figured y'all don't fear God in this place. So I figured I better lie to y'all because I'm figuring y'all aren't going aren't gonna to be concerned with doing the right and just thing as if he is. He's the one who went to their place with deception. But indeed, she's truly my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So he's saying, he's making it clear, incest was common. We've seen that. At, you're gonna, we're going to see it again and again throughout the Bible, specifically, especially in the Old Testament. But here's one of the first instances of it where he's letting them know. And this is the patriarchs letting us know that incest, when family members hook up, was is nothing new it's an ancient practice and in fact people still do it now generally rich people will do it to keep money in the family because people do value money it seems more than just about anything even to the point where they'll have inbreeding to keep the funds in the family rather than risk sharing even a dollar with someone who's not family it's sick but maybe it's not so sick the incest i mean by modern standards, it's sick, but clearly back then it's entirely acceptable, letting us know mores and norms and what socially acceptable changes. It doesn't stay the same because even the Christian Bible thump or so-called Christian Bible thumpers and religious people in modern times, if they saw a situation like that, a man marrying his sister and riding around with her as his wife, they'd be hard pressed to use this verse to uh, justify it. Although there are some churches that have sister wives that have many different wives and all sorts of different things. So can't just make an absolute statement about too much anything. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me. In every place, wherever we go, say of me, he's my brother. 
So he's saying it's a kindness, but truly it's cowardice. It's what we'd call cowardice by modern terms. Maybe it wasn't back then, but it's absolutely cowardly now to have your wife take all the heat, to have the significant other face all the, the danger and uh, hurt and uh, being taken into custody and all of that so that you can stay safe. I mean, if that's the best people could do in modern times, as far as having a man, a spouse, a lover, whatever you want to call it, a significant other, a lot of people are probably better off single. Because if you're going to end up facing the consequences that you'd face anyway by yourself, what's the point of having someone as your ride or die, or you're with your ace boom coon who's with you to the end, uh, help you through whatever battles come along, if the first thing they're going to do is say, well, uh, let uh, do something nice for me. Do me a favor. Pretend I'm your sibling so that when they attack you and want to have you, uh, they won't bother me because they'll say, well, I'm just your sibling, not your spouse. It's 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 sick by modern standards, but by then, apparently perfectly acceptable. Not just the incest, but the deceptions and the lies. Because remember, Ten Commandments haven't been given yet. And for whatever reason, their lies haven't been condemned, even though Abimelech's innocence has been condemned. So again, like I keep saying, if you're a Christian, red letter Christianity seems to me the obvious path to take since Jesus himself in those red letters is laying out to us what it is that's important to God and important to our Christian walk in our paths. Whereas if you explore the rest of the Bible and other religions, you generally fall into confusion because there's contradictions in other religions, religions, there's absolutely contradictions left, right, and sideways in the Bible, particularly with things like this, again and again about sexual matters, believe it or not, for some strange reason. Um, so anyway, he's asked his sister to pretend to be his, asked his wife, and she's also his sister from his father's side, um, to pretend to be his sister only so that he can stay safe. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. So, again, it seems upside down and backwards that the person who was lied to is the one who has to make the uh, the amends, make the, the, the restitution. It doesn't really make much sense, but it seems to be the way it goes. That Abimelech, the victim of the deceit of the fraud, is the one who ends up giving Abraham uh, livestock to sort of make amends for what he for the offense in God's eyes. It wasn't an offense in Abraham's eyes. He's the one who set it up. But also he restored his wife, Sarah, to him. But no read over what else he did. He gave him the livestock, but he also gave him male and female service, which in modern times you can't do. I mean, you can do it, but it's called slavery because you don't own people. So you can't give people away and you can't take people away. Um, that's free will stuff, or at least how it's supposed to be. But it lets us know if they're not calling it slaves, but they're calling them male and female servants, but they're obviously slaves. Cause like I said, you can't give away anything you don't own. You can only give away what you own or think you own. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you dwell where it pleases you. So Abimelech is sort of giving him the heave hole, like here, take the livestock, take your wife and beat it. Go live wherever you want to in the land, uh, wherever it pleases you. Sort of like to dismiss him and let him go on about his business and get him out of his hair. 
then get them both out of his hair. Then to Sarah, he said, behold, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus, she was rebuked. So again, it's the editorializing. It's almost sickening to see how the patriarchy and their, by modern standards, flawed character traits continually get glazed over or not even called out, or in this case, rewarded. He's pawned his wife off as his sister to fool the people whose land he's dwelling in. And the people who get condemned are the people who hosted him in the land and the wife who didn't have a choice. I mean, he asked her as a favor, but in reality, did she really have a choice? Her husband's telling her to do it and she did it. Um, and then the, it's the editorializing, it's just, it's hard to take. Look at what it says. He's given a thousand pieces of silver to pay back the man who lied to him, pay the man who lied to him about his wife to avoid that condemnation. But then look at what it also says that it's to save face for her, um, um, that it'll vindicate her. So in, it'll make her not look such like a liar or worse, something, uh, a fallen woman, as they'd say, for fooling him to go be with Abimelech, even though it's what her husband told her to do. It's, and then the end it with us, she was rebuked. How is she the one who gets rebuked? She's doing what her husband asked her to do as a favor. And she's the one who was taken away. She's the one who suffered. And yet the editorializing in this narrative makes it seem like she was the one who was wrong. Not the one who told the lies and set it all in motion. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children. So look at what it says there. Let's not read over that. Apparently Abimelech, God listened to Abraham, the one who lied about the whole situation and said it all in the order according to the narrative. But look at what it says. He healed Abimelech. It's not real clear what sort of suffering had been inflicted on him. It says also his wife. So Abimelech also already has a spouse, even though he was eyeballing Sarah, Abraham's spouse. Um, so that blows apart another modern day talking point of religious hypocrites that they say, oh, marriage should be one man and one woman. And that's the Bible way and all of that. Clearly it's not. We're in the very first book of the Bible. And this isn't the first time we've seen uh, one man having multiple wives. That happened all the way back at the beginning with Cain, when he had several, uh, he had at least, let me see, was it Cain? It might have been Cain. It was right after the Cain and Abel narrative he got one wife from somewhere. It didn't really say under from Lana Nod, but it doesn't really say where, how she suddenly appeared. Um, but also, it was right after that. Um, the one Babel Nimrod, maybe it's Nimrod. That's the one I'm thinking of, maybe, where he had uh, no Ada and Zilla were the wives' names, but for some reason, his name is escaping me anyway. A man having more than one wife or even as many wives, side pieces and concubines as he could afford is actually the way things were happening way back then. So churches are being disingenuous when they tell people what marriage originally was and what marriage is meant to be and all of that. It's really just propaganda, propaganda to preserve old ways and to prevent progress. It's sad 
Because if you won't progress, let it say progress or die, evolve or die, get it together and move forward. But it seems hard for human nature. So anyway, um, it seems Abraham's prayer was heard and everything's all right with the world again. The Abimelech's people have been restored and Abraham's fat and happy. He's been enriched by pawning his wife off as his sister by at least a thousand shekels uh, and all that livestock. And then he gets his wife back and gets to go on about his business and live wherever he wants to. And yet none of that is condemned by God. We're to believe this is God. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So it seems the God in this instance, the God being described in this instance, is um, not very unbiased at all, condemning the victims of the fraud and then enriching the perpetrators of the fraud. It sounds like the American justice system. Um, but it also sounds like the end of this chapter. We've reached. I appreciate you checking it out with me and hope it was a blessing for you and that you will join me again. We, uh, I'm late on this one. I'm sorry. I'm traveling. I'm actually in... New Orleans. And um, so I didn't, I got in late and didn't get around to doing a post last night because it's Tuesday now. But on Mondays and Wednesdays, we generally, that's when they are, focus on the Old Testament, those readings there at random times. Uh, that's why I didn't mind moving it off a little later until today because those are random times and they're Old Testament. And then on Saturdays, Saturday night, yeah, around 12, 15 in the morning, Sunday mornings is when we focus on the Gospels, the New Testament, the message that Jesus Christ actually had for us Christians. We do those because there are less of them. There's only six books that have anything that are, uh, are quotes attributed to Jesus. And yet 60 books, uh, 10 times as many that are dedicated to all sorts of other religions and so-called gods and beliefs, and they're not what, Christ, what Christ would have you uh, have us know and abide by. So that's how we do it. On Mondays and Wednesdays, Old Testament, and on Saturdays, Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, we're focusing on the Gospels. And just so you understand the difference, like I said, the Gospels, the words Jesus said are a tenth or a tithe of the entire Bible. Maybe a hidden clue for us as to why we should focus on those uh, six books, but also if you're curious about more readings, past readings, and um, my understanding of uh, Red Letter Christianity, feel free, if you're an adult, to check out my free website. It's hungtgirl.com, and you can explore the links on the left and get to know me, body, mind, spirit, and soul, with the spirit and soul pages being dedicated to the naked truth and Christianity and my own spiritual walk. Um, explore, get a membership, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. All of the above are very much appreciated. I thank you for it, and God bless you for it. And I hope you'll join me again. Please stay safe, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. God bless you. Thanks again. Peace.